Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the Grief Gang podcast hosted by Amber Jeffrey, the podcast dedicated to having difficult and layered conversations on grief and loss through my own personal reflections on grief, inspirational guest appearances and contributions from the incredible community. You will find an array of real, authentic, moving and at most times humorous accounts of what it's really like to live with grief. It's not always doom and gloom, I promise you that. We know how to have fun whilst talking about the heavy stuff around here. So, welcome to the gang, the one you never asked to be a part of. Well, hello, and welcome back to uh, season six of the podcast uh, after a two and a bit month hiatus probably nearing three perhaps (laughs) and I can imagine for some of you you know exactly where I've been and why I have had a little hiatus in between uh, the beginning of season six up till now and some of you have not the foggiest idea of why I perhaps fell off the radar potentially. Uh, I know that that might be a, a slim, a slim few of you, as I know that most who listen to the podcast have either found the podcast through social media and would have therefore have seen uh, why I took this hiatus. Um, so today's episode. And probably full disclaimer, a lot of episodes <laughs> for the next, I don't know, I'm not even going to put a time frame on it of like a thing of like, oh, this will stop then because I don't know when I feel I might have wrapped up everything I've wanted to say. I don't think I ever will wrap up uh, everything that I want to say about this because 
it is now something that I live with like I live with the grief of my mum. And that is me now living with the grief for my friend Poppy Chancellor. And it's obviously taken me some time to get around to do this episode out of trying to find some form of strength um, and the words still. I think potentially even in this episode that words will fail me to even uh, describe this grief and this loss in not only just my life but all the lives um, that Poppy touched and were part of. Um, and yeah, just being back in the early stages of grief is wild and so I guess today it's just going to be I suppose an episode a little a little comeback episode I guess explaining a few things without going into too much detail because out of respect for Poppy and for the family and just for well actually not to you know sort of re-traumatize myself I'd say like if I'm being dead honest pardon the pun I'm being totally honest um there are parts of Poppy's death that have really affected uh me um and I need to do my healing with that and my processing of that and a way of that is here on the podcast, most definitely. But there are other ways that I need to do that personally um, with the people that I love, with the people that are close to Poppy who understand it, with professionals potentially. Um, but what I'm I'm really conscious of myself, and you know, knowing that I feel like I need I need and want to do this work, is that. Uh, something that Poppy's mum said to me maybe about a month and a bit after Poppy died, you know, we have work to do, Amber, but, you know, we are still just five minutes into this. And I said, my gosh, yeah, that's so true. And, you know, uh, at the time of this recording, unsure of when I'll release it, um, Poppy has been dead for less than two months. And uh, it's fascinating being back, obviously, in the early stages of grief, and still feeling that, oh, I'm falling behind, I need to be here in my grief already, and given from this person who who does this for a living and did it with the person who has now died like for a living, how you can still fall into those mind traps and just way of thinking of, oh, yeah, I need to not be falling apart and, you know, telling ourselves these weird expectations or putting these peculiar expectations on ourselves of of yeah how we shouldn't be shouldn't grieving and I, I find it I've just found it really interesting obviously you've been doing this work for quite some time and now do it for my my main job um how even so when you are back in the early stages of grief everything is put to the test and sometimes everything is thrown the fuck out so that's, I guess, a little introduction as to what you might be buckling in for this episode. If you are, if you are a returning listener, welcome back. Um, if you are a new listener, welcome. Um, you've come at a really interesting time. <laughs> you've come at a really interesting time on the podcast, and 
I don't know what to say. You might enjoy it. You might stick around. You you may, I don't know. Um, but I feel this is a real pivotal point. I mean, I knew that anyway. Another, with any sort of loss, I think that is so large in your life is a real pivotal moment in my life. And there's been a lot of change in my life, which I think I'll get in, I'll get into. I'm just going to go from beginning to end, I think, of everything over the past few months. Um, and it's just a real transitional time in my life. And I feel um, that will obviously seep its way into the work that I do, and especially with the podcast. And it's not, someone said to me, you know, does this mean you'll stop doing the podcast? And I was like, what on earth ever gave you that idea? Like, <laughs> The whole the whole uh, ethos of this podcast for me is that it is my it's my safe haven where I come to process stuff and I come to share and there are things that have never seen the light of day for this podcast and the things that will but it is and will always continue to be my place just to process so what the future of the podcast might look like and how it's structured who knows. I'm I'm now in a season of first and I feel back to square one again. So like I'm exploring all new things again um, at a different age with a different perspective on. I'm now in my second rodeo of grief. And it's bloody insane. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I guess um, I'll go back to where is necessary to the story and try and bring up to present date and sort of where what my mind and my head and my heart has been thinking, feeling, going through with grief, particularly over the past two months since 29th of September. So as I alluded to earlier, that some of you may know of Poppy, if you follow me on social media, uh, on the Grief Gang, and how I shared, and Poppy shared too, very openly and candidly, about her diagnosis in the spring um, of acute myeloid leukemia. Um, And Poppy's diagnosis came after a really difficult month in April that I I won't share because it was something that when we recorded our last episode, 
which is still something I'm toying with whether to share or not because it's just devastatingly heartbreaking. Um, but I know we recorded it with all purposes for it to go out. So that's a dance in my head that I'm doing. Do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Anyhow, in that episode, Poppy decided in that episode to not go into the details about what she experienced in that April before her diagnosis. And so in death, I will respect her there as well, even if you know perhaps she did change her mind. Um, it was just a really difficult month in April in and out of A&E, which eventually resulted in the diagnosis of her acute myeloid leukemia. And so that was late April, early May, uh, that she got this diagnosis. And from, from diagnosis on, obviously, Poppy went through a range of emotions as anybody here who has lost somebody to a long-term illness, a life-limiting illness, um, will know and will have seen the range and the host of emotions that a loved one goes through when they get a such a such you know drastic kind of diagnosis poppy wasn't diagnosed terminal but it was obviously very critical um with her age as well being 35 at the time of diagnosis and she turned 36 in early june um she spent that summer yeah really you know coming to terms with some very you know difficult procedures that she had to go through and she she faced them I don't want to you know I think so much we can you know evangelize and this isn't not me you know slagging off Poppy but I know for sure if I'm to imagine her sat here now in front of me she'd be like don't evangelize me and don't make me something that I'm not and so I don't want to sit here and say Poppy took you know these things like a champ but she, she did in the end, she didn't realise how triumphant she was, but she didn't feel like a champ. She didn't feel at times when she was having to be poked, prodded, bits of her taken away from her for testing. Like she was scared. She was scared. And I think that's what I, at the time, it was difficult to see that that scaredness and that anxiety in her. I think for any one of us who was close to her in her journey, but um reflection appreciate the candidness and the authenticity of saying like you know no not everyone goes into these sort of treatments with I've got it I'm going to smash it like some go in I'm really scared and um this really hurts this is really painful this is a really jarring experience I think if anybody followed Poppy on her personal page where she shared a lot of her journey through uh, treatment she was very open with what it was like and what was being done to her. And in Poppy's death, the amount of times I heard from people just how, I don't know, sort of just much of a window it was into her life of what she was going through then was, it was, you know, sometimes the only way people were able to keep up with what was going on with her life. And so for her to have done that, and it not only, you know, it helped plenty of people who were also in a a place of where they were getting diagnosed as potentially not acute myeloid and some who were as well um, living with acute myeloid Um, just sort of seeing someone else go through a path and because Poppy was so young and um, quite rare to have AML quite young it was almost one would say potentially a breath of fresh air that she was online talking about it and also sharing her other pockets of her life 
And so in, in as well within Poppy's diagnosis, uh, one of her friends, Rachel, uh, had the idea to do these things called empowerment circles, empowerment ceremonies. And she'd been to one and she shared it with Poppy and her mum. And they loved the idea. And long story short, what that birthed was every started in June so June July August yeah once a month we went down to Poppy's mum's and we had a ceremony and within these ceremonies we shared words of love affirmation hope healing songs laughter stories we just did it and said it all to and about Poppy like she would lay there in the middle and the first one was intense because we didn't know what we were expecting or going to, you know, receive sort of thing. And after a while, they became such healing ceremonies that, get one, enabled us to spend time with Poppy and and just be, yeah, be with her. Because, you know, for so long, especially during her treatment, there was, you know, we couldn't be with her um, in case of infection or anything, you know, um, putting it, her at risk, etc. Um, so these ceremonies, when they came around, they were like just gold dust. We were just so elated to be with her. And she got so much from them as well. She'd be, you know, it would be exhausting for her afterwards of them, of seeing so many people and talking so much. And so she would need a good rest afterwards. But she would be on like a totally different high for like the days after and and we she'd normally time them sort of like before she'd go into her next treatment and so she kind of would go into treatment on a high of I've, had, I've got all the love of my friends and family and the women in my life and so she went in with that strength and I feel so grateful that we had them like when I obviously obviously I'm gonna cry in this episode <laughs> um when I think back to those ceremonies and that time spent together and the last time I saw Poppy alive and well um, was on the 29th or 30th of July. I feel like it was the 29th at one of the ceremonies and and then from after that it was into her, her most intense part of her treatment so she really had to be quite limited with visitors and I was meant to see her and then cancelled because I was a bit ill and then we rearranged and I didn't get to and it's not something that right now I'm sitting with major regret but I'm very glad on that last ceremony we had a little bit of one-to-one time as fleeting as it was there was a little bit of one-to-one time and um when Poppy was ill to, to to jump forward um after Poppy's stem cell was transplant was completed she sadly got a lung infection which eventually put her into critical care and again just for respect for poppy and for the family it was after their a decline um two weeks before this uh the 29th of september um i went to go and see poppy in she was in the marsden in chelsea and I went to go see her for the first time, like I said, since before uh, the last time I saw her alive and well was 29th of July at home. And obviously we spoke on FaceTime during that time. And the last time I spoke to her on the phone was about a week and a half before she was put on a ventilator to give her a bit of rest and respite for her lungs. 
and going to see Poppy in that in the hospital was possibly one of the most devastating things I've ever done in my life. And at this point, she was in an in a coma, in an induced coma, and um, on a ventilator, so we couldn't speak, but we needn't have to. Um, I said with Poppy's mum about a week after she died, I said, you know, even those times when I visited her and she couldn't speak where she was in, in an induced coma, I never, you know, as much I longed to hear her voice and to have a conversation. I felt like with the ceremonies, I said all I had to say. She knew how much I loved her and how much we loved each other. Um, and just knowing that with so grateful for those ceremonies because felt that I left them knowing I've said everything. I don't, I don't live with this grief that I live with for Poppy. I don't live with the regret that I never told her how much I loved her, how much she has changed my life. We had the opportunities to to do that together and with her. And I really thank her for, for gifting us with the ceremonies to do that. But still, none the wiser, you know, being, being at her bedside and holding her hand and talking to her and being encouraged to by the nurses to talk to her, um was surreal and and familiar I've, I'd been I'd been in this situation before with my mum she was in an induced coma um and we obviously didn't have an, as much sort of time with mum to sit and sort of gather to start sitting and kind of having conversations she was quite critical and obviously here one day and gone the next um and other family members as well in induced coma so it's not my first rodeo of seeing somebody in that state but seeing someone like Poppy in that state. It just never made sense. It just absolutely never made sense. And so about two weeks later, about a week and a half later, you obviously get that call um, from Poppy's mum and... The night before Poppy died, sharing that there was nothing further that they could do for Poppy and to uh, come down. And so we did, and friends and family all flocked down to be with her, um, fulfill her sort of last wishes that I guess she'd spoken about with family members should she die. And we just spent that very beautiful um, final time with her. She she died with her nearest to her, her mum, her husband, her sister, her stepdad. Um, and she did it on her time. She did it on her time. She guided them. She she let them know she was ready. And I got to spend some time with her afterwards. And as difficult as that is, and for anyone who listens who knows what that's like to, you know, be with a loved one after they have died, uh, yeah, it's stuff that will never leave your memory, will it? Um, But I feel very grateful that 
I got to have that time with Poppy and to just, again, I think, just tell her. I felt her presence very strongly in that room. It was almost I was, you know, looking down at her, but then looking up and seeing, like, in the space behind the bed, like, Poppy looking at me going, is that me? And pointing down. And I said it to one of Poppy's mum's friends who was with me, Hannah, and I said, do you feel that too? She was, like, literally the same. Like, I feel like she stood there and she's looking at us, looking at her going, "Hey, like what the hell has happened here? It was insane. And the funeral directors come and took her and um, were just amazing, completely amazing. Um, And it's that aftermath of sort of, I felt putting myself to task is what I needed to do to make myself busy and to support the family. And... in Poppy's wishes and for the family it was for you know after should she die to not stay in a morgue in a hospital to be taken to a place where it's peaceful and restful and where loved ones can visit etc and so to not stay in the hospital morgue and so when I was put to the task of organizing the funeral directors I said by hook or by crook I will get her the fuck out of here by dinner time tonight um and we did and we did somehow mountains were moved by incredible people and and it yeah just and we got her out and she was able to go to a place that she wanted to go and throughout it all I just kept thinking I know she'd have done it for me like I know she'd have done this for me I just kept thinking if this was my last act of service to her then do it and do it right and do it well and I hope I did and then it's afterwards you know once those tasks have pardon me hold on (laughs) big old no sniff I don't want to just cry myself the whole way through because you'll be like what the fuck listening to this (laughs) um it's those after moments sort of after when thing all things have been done and completed I suppose like well in that present moment there's not much for the rest to do for the day and I remember sitting on a bench outside the Marsden and waiting for my partner Joe to pick me up and just only then stopping and taking stock of like what has happened in this day um and more within the last 24 hours of that morning before I had a friend who was in hospital who was in a bad way but was recovering as I thought, to the next, the next morning, she's died. And even saying that out loud now is like, yeah, just how, in a a beat. Um, And just, oh yes, being sat on that bench and watching the world go by of like, seeing a girl in like a yoga leggings and Matt walking past on the phone and just like fixating on her. And then looking at the calf across the road and seeing people eating outside it. And then the most peculiar thing where I thought, oh my God, she's fucking with me already. This man walked past with two parrots on his shoulders. (laughs) 
And I was like, you're joking me. It was just the most peculiar thing I've ever seen in West London, border, you know, Chelsea, Marsden, you know, posh area. I mean, I shouldn't really be surprised. It's posh area. Of course, they bloody all have parrots potentially, some sort of free bird. Um, this man walking past with two birds on his shoulder, and I just looked, and I had you just, you know, you have to give them the pity laughs. I was just like, <laughs> and I just thought, if that's her way, I was trying to let me laugh, and like, okay, I'll take the cheap laugh. Then you enter, you enter, you come home, don't you? You come home to your world and life as you knew it was has now died and this new life has now begun. A life without Poppy in it, a life without like the anxiety of knowing is she okay, isn't she okay? Just like poof just like that um and I mean the night Poppy died was just probably one of the most lowest I've ever felt in my life practically drank my way drank my way I don't know tried to drink my way out of it though I knew it absolutely it wasn't the way or even could no matter how much booze there would be <laughs> That's not me inciting alcohol or abusing of alcohol, but did what I had to do, what I felt that I had to do in that day. But then thankfully after that day, actually, I was a bit like, yeah, straight away I was like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, That's not the way to go. One, the hangover the next day probably helped solidify that answer. And then... You're back, you're back to square one, it feels like, of grief. And I keep saying to people whenever I'm talking to them and sharing, I'm like, it's so interesting and confusing and all range of different emotions. Having been through one big bereavement already of my mum and then doing the work that I do and learning the stuff that I do and then going through it again, and so having like the whereabouts of like having the knowledge like I'm like okay I know that obviously with my mum I had no experience of what a death was like and how long certain emotions or periods may last or you know thought processes so everything is new everything is unknown you just kind of wing it you're like oh I might feel like this forever is this forever etc and so going through it for a second time and knowing, knowing, but then also not because they are two different deaths and so two different grief processes. But it's almost like the naivety that I wish I could have now of things like, oh, I wish I had the naivety of knowing or thinking, oh, this sort of like heaviness will just be for like, I don't know, a couple of months but then in my head, knowing myself, and that could be the case for some people, I don't know, you know, it's all relative, but knowing me, knowing myself, knowing that, oh no, yeah, you didn't really shake this kind of feeling off till maybe like a year. So what I guess what I'm trying to allude to is that it's almost like it's a blessing and a curse to have been through this before because I'm like, oh, I, I can now foresee certain, I now know for one, the biggest fact of one, that I will live with this grief forever for the rest of my life of Poppy because... 
had to learn it the hard way with my mum but then two of knowing that all the other things that if I was to be a little bit um like previously naive to or didn't know about I now know so now knowing that um you know sort of the like let's say for example let's say like the the heaviness and like the exhaustion knowing that for myself previously didn't wear off for like a very very long time and now being presented with it again being like and trying to and trying to work to previous productivity levels or energy levels and just trying to you know get back to an old version of me again and that's a huge that's been a huge thing for me is that I feel like I'm still trying to claw at that version of Amber before the 29th of September and uh, knowing that huge parts of me have died now, like a humongous part of me and what I want from life and how I see life and things within it is now completely dead and gone and has changed since Poppy has died. Like it's a humongous part of me and of my soul and of my being that like Poppy developed and helped develop within me and that feels like it has died and it has gone and I can say that like sort of with such vim because that for me is like fact whereas before with my mum when discovering that oh my god yeah that version of Amber has dead has been dead and gone for quite some time that was really hard and, and grieving for that but and coming to terms with grieving for that. But now with Poppy knowing and very much acknowledging and accepting that that part of me has died and that has gone and I'm actively grieving for that um but also understanding and try and being I guess a bit more graceful with myself when I'm trying to I guess like be that version of Amber again and being like babe that's not you anymore like and it's okay it's okay that that's not you anymore and it's okay that if you're going to keep trying for a little bit to try and get to her but no matter of fact that she is gone and there is something and I don't I don't I don't feel like I've been reborn yet or the the learnings from Poppy's death or the the, the stuff that the lessons that she's taught me that are guiding me are coming to fruition to I can never say that is it fruition or fruition whatever one come to life yet I feel like I'm just like a bit of a shell just kind of maneuvering the world and don't really know what she wants what kind of does but and is and then is exhausted by other things and just wants more out of a life, sees how her friend lived her life and lived it like so like daringly her. Like Poppy wasn't a daredevil, but she she lived in her true self, I feel. And there were multiple layers to Poppy, as there is multiple layers to everybody. No one is sort of one layered real multifaceted but if a poppy really stood in her being and stood in her truth of who she was as a as a woman as a partner as a sister as a friend as a daughter and sort of yeah just just feeling a little bit lost like without her and I don't think I've even scratched the surface of acknowledging that Poppy also and in our friendship has so much tied up of like there's so much of my grief for my mum and the healing from my mum's death that was probably tied up in Poppy as well you know 
Poppy and I found each other about three years into the death after our parents. Both our parents died in 2016 within months of each other and we found each other in 2019 and really built our friendship in 2020. And so what we'd been lacking for those previous three years in sort of community and friendship and resonance we found in each other um which made going through life with grief just a little bit more easier didn't it um and then in turn was able to you know impact our work both collectively and individually because we both knew we had a comrade in it we both we both knew that there was someone at the end of the phone when we needed to talk about our parents or new things that were coming up for us or new things we were discovering about our communities and areas we wanted to explore. We always had each other. And so what I guess I keep trying to explain to people is that I feel very much like I'm I'm not, there's not feelings of my mum and active grief coming up, I'll be so honest. Um, but I know that now forever those these two deaths will be forever intertwined that they, they will never be separated they're very much intertwined of I feel when I think of Poppy and when I long for Poppy and our friendship um I think of what I've all just said I've just said there about how what she was for me within that and you know that's only like one percent of what Poppy was for me in our friendship but then and then when I think of mum and if I think of my mum and or anything that comes up new or or previously it's gonna let me think of Poppy because I'll immediately think oh, I want to talk to Poppy about that it's it feels it feels right now dead on it's like a vicious cycle um and just yeah very isolating like I'm not afraid to say that I felt really lonely and my friends have been incredible and my family um and they show up in the ways that they show up but you just feel you can't you just feel you can be with people every single day and whatever but it's just it's so innately lonely and I think I think by nature I am not a lonely person like I'm not like I'm a I'm a creature of like I like people around comfort I love company I love community like let's be real but I do enjoy alone time to process and sort of when I'm I feel like I'm going through stuff I do go within a lot to figure it out a bit or actually maybe that's just what I'm telling myself now because that's what I that's what I feel like I have to do now because I don't have Poppy Perhaps before I didn't ever feel that because I knew, oh, I'd just call Poppy. I'd just speak to Poppy about it. And so maybe I'm trying to kid myself into thinking, no, you do internalise more. You do you feel like, no, it's what you just have to do now because the person you would talk to is no longer here. But then I do talk to her out loud. <laughs> I suppose it's just talking to yourself, isn't it, really, though? Um, I do talk to her out loud. I feel really, really deeply connected to Poppy um, and, like, protected and guided by her. Um, I feel her in my everyday. Like, she is in my everyday. Our lives are very intertwined, both professionally and personally. Um, There are many projects that we didn't finish together um, that I will see out and see through. Um... That will be immensely painful.
but integral to my grief and our story and Poppy's legacy. And I'll do that within time, within time that I feel is ready and right. Um, I just, yeah, I feel her so much in my everyday. Um, She's got a little, I'm literally looking at it now, a little shrine in my flat. Um, And I had this before she died. And I remember when I first put the pictures up and I remember thinking, oh, Amber, maybe maybe not because this might be like inciting that she might one day die and you'll need this shrine for something else and I sent it to her and I was like don't be pissed I was like I have got a little shrine for you in the corner and she's like no I love it (laughs) and when she was ill and we couldn't speak I would sit there and I'd talk to her then and I'd wish her well and I'd send her good energy and all that business and then now she's died, like, it literally just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's got two photos, her order of service from her funeral, two sage sticks, three candles. And when I'm saying this table is not very big, do you know what I think I'll do? I think I will take a picture and I'll throw it up on Instagram at some point. So keep an eye out for that. Um it's a bit crowded. It's a bit crowded on there, I must say. Um, yeah, it's a bit crowded on there. Um, but I just need to get a bigger table. <laughs> That's about, I won't have to dwindle it down. I would just have to get a bigger table for her because um, I keep adding. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, I, yeah, I feel deeply connected to her. I feel she is some in the very immediate, like the first month after she died. So in the September and October and between her funeral, I felt so strongly in my everyday. Even now I feel, you know, I can look somewhere and I can place her there physically, even without her ever having visited or, you know, been part of that. I can just see her mannerisms her body language her face her smile her laugh I can just see her just dancing when I can just see it all and it's quite nice in a bit of you know just to sit and just imagine her here wherever I am and sort of carry that comfort with me um and then it's just as devastating too to feel her absolutely everywhere but nowhere um and you know sometimes feel the comfort in watching videos and pick and looking at pictures and sometimes going through periods of like this is far too painful to hear her voice like I'd say right now I'm in a period where it's like 50 50 and each day is different if I want to look at a picture or video videos are hard because it just takes you right back to that day or that that moment that memory um just god just how funny she was like I said to somebody the other day one of Poppy's family friends I said what I'm so exhausted by is having to tell people about her rather than than them just knowing her and about her and I suppose that's you know for me to talk from a place of privilege to have known and have loved Poppy is such a gift like was such a gift like one of the greatest gifts of my life to have loved and been loved by her. And in a way I feel sad for people who didn't know her. 
I feel really sad for them to not have known. Such a wanderlust being. <sighs> she brought out the best in all of us, like... She made people feel so special. Like, so special. And that you could do anything you wanted to do if you put your mind to it. Good God, I'm snotty AF. She made you feel invincible that, you know, after being with her or being with her, that, you know, we could do anything if we put our mind to it. If we can't, we can do anything. And that's like, we felt fearless, like popping our minds together. We felt fearless when we were with each other. We felt because we had fun. Nothing felt too intimidating. Nothing felt too big of a challenge because we had each other. Oh, look, now my eyebrows are going all pink because I've been crying. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, as I was finishing of saying there, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted of having to tell people about her. I just wish they just knew what she was like. And I'm sure with time there will come a, place where I will feel I will I will you know jump at any given opportunity when someone says what was Poppy like what was Poppy like as a friend what was this what was that and that I think when I come of a place of strength and I've just got a bit more strength in me I'll go oh my god buckle in let me tell you about Poppy Chancellor but right now, it just hurts too bad sometimes. Oh, right, this is becoming into a cry fest, which I knew it would, no matter when I did it. <laughs> so I think I need to conclude and wrap up this nearly 40-plus minute episode. Oh, my God, this is not fair. This is not cute. Paul would be like, babe, do not put this on the internet. <laughs> I'm like, I know. God, this is making me gasp for a cigarette. I tell you that for free. Oh, it's all as well when you go into grief, you just start getting into the really bad vices in your life as well. Again, okay. To bring to a close, to round up this episode, uh, friendship loss sucks. It's really shit. Uh. And that's it, I'm done. No. <laughs> um I think to close most especially, um, and I'm really gonna try to not cry because I thought you've just had enough of me crying, and I'll probably edit a lot of the crying out, but it might be quite difficult not to because it probably makes up a 95% of the episode. But I just want to say a uh oh god, I try not to cry above for fuck's sake. I just want to say a humongous thank you to every single person who has so kindly messaged with your love, your support, your kindness uh, since Poppy's death and even still to this day. For those of you who have sent your love onwards to Poppy's family, her husband, her mum, her sisters, um, every message I've tried to get back to every single one and I'm still to this day still trying as everything takes a lot of energy as many of you will remember in those early stages of grief everything takes like triple the amount of energy to do so even sometimes as simple as replying to a dm I can take some time so 
please my sincerest apologies but know that I will get round to them all at some point um they just make my heart very happy and sad at the same time um to see your pain as well to Poppy's death because I know how much she meant to so many people in the space what she provided for so many people in the space and so you are grieving this loss as well it is not lost on myself or anybody um that this loss of Poppy is global. I said it in my speech at Poppy's funeral, you know, fear not that this grief of Poppy, you know, it goes further than the four walls of this crematorium. This grief of Poppy is global and is felt across the world, her absence. Um, So thank you just for being so kind and so patient and so loving and supportive um it means more than you'll ever know and just the the repeatedness that people say of you know you have had our back with this community and do so much it's now our time to look after you however we can and I really feel that and I feel like I might have to use that card soon (laughs) I don't know what that looks like perhaps I'm not sure but I know that I can trust in you and that when I share about Poppy you receive it with such love and and just kindness and just it's like you want more from her you want more of her and so that makes me feel really like compelled to share more of her because my god she was just the most amazing person that we've ever had the, the privilege to have graced in our life though for a brief 36 years she was here and she made her mark my gosh she made her mark indeed um And we will all miss her terribly, 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 terribly for the rest of our days. So I thank you for listening to this episode and for, I guess, coming and checking in if you wanted to listen to this episode of what the hell has been going on in uh, this corner of the world. And I suppose, you know, this is a gentle, you know, I guess, note, thought, afterthought of... I will see, you know, go along with the season, the remainder of the season of season six, uh, potentially up until December. But it will look probably and sound completely different to what I had planned, which was obviously like Christmas stuff and previous guest episodes. I think this is my, this is, this is this last next few weeks before I end the season uh, on Christmas, week before Christmas. I don't know. I'm just going to see. I'm just going to pluck the mic in once a week and just see what the fuck comes out of it (laughs) and see what kind of stuff comes out. And if I'll be like, yeah, I'll share that. Yeah, I won't. But I think for the remainder of this season, there might be a little bit of no structure and just a lot of me waffling. But I think that seems to be what brought a lot of you here in the first place. Um, The bit of chaos, I suppose. So stick around we might have some really interesting conversations and I'm sure come the new year when I look to do season seven I'll be hopefully in a place of wanting to bring back some structure I might not be as I said I'm just figuring this new kind of me out and uh, I don't know what she wants what she feels she wants what her needs are yet what she wants from this space but I know she wants something different or is going to explore something different. And it's a 
season of change. My God, it's been the biggest season of change, I think, of my life. No can, no amount of consecutive things have gone wrong in my life in one period of time. I'll tell you that for free. But you know what? We'll see what it all means <laughs> somewhere. We'll see what it all means and what it what it does in the end. We will see. But, yeah, this is my ramble now at the end. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, review, subscribe. <laughs> I can't do that. Come on, if anyone liked or reviewed after this episode, you must be bonkers. But if you feel compelled to, why not? Um, check out my new website. This is where I start doing the promo stuff and being professional. No, but genuinely though, do check out my website because before Poppy died, I went and got a brand spanking new website with Amy Walker from Ace and Ping. And it was beautiful, stunning, ready to go. And then Poppy died and I was like, oh, shit, like, no. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, no, probably my website and you've died. No, but I was like, timing, timing. And so I finally launched it a couple of weeks ago. And on there, you will see, obviously, about the mentoring, which is really exciting. Um, And I have, I'm fully booked for this year, which is the remainder of this year, which is mad. So all my grief group circles are full, but I'm now taking... Uh, openings and bookings for January till Feb, Jan to Feb group and one-to-one clients as well. And if you have no idea what I've just alluded to and just started talking about, I now offer mentoring, uh, one-to-one and group um, as part of my business. I'm a business honey now. Um, so you can come and be part of a group circle that will meet uh, every for six weeks over six sessions Um with a group of no more than 10 people in them at the time of this recording I am halfway through them and they are especially at this time of my life with Poppy they've been the most healing thing for me at this time so although I am hosting them and holding space they still give me so much hearing the conversations and and areas that we are exploring so they're really fun love 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 doing them so if you want to be involved with January to February group you can fill out a form online and I will get to you very, very soon. And one-to-one as well, similar ethos. Fill out a form online and we will have a consultation call and we will get to know each other and find out what you want to explore in your grief through one-to-one mentoring. I'm really enjoying those too. It's so, you know, you can do anything from three sessions up to up to six sessions. Um I'm just so fascinated by people and supporting people and seeing how we tick and how we don't. So that is all on my website, www.thegriefgang.com. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Big love and I will see ya when I see ya. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I appreciate more than you'll ever know your support of the show and I hope this episode has supported you in one way or another. Spread the good word about the Grief Gang podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Subscribe to the show on your chosen listening platform so you're first to know when a new episode drops. Visit the show notes below to follow the Grief Gang on all social platforms and pay our website a visit to find further resources and ways to get in contact and work with me. Look after yourself and know that you are never alone. I'll see you soon.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 